Kia ora and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Extra Trials Football Podcast, the home of alternative football. This is the first edition of our previews for the World Cup 2022, and it's a big one. Uh, what better to start off is than the USA? Um, my guest today, he is probably the biggest fan of the US men's national team, amassing over 100 games and many more to come. Um, he's the true definition of a jet setter. Um Someone I've looked forward to talking to for so long. Uh, he's finally here. Uh, but without further ado, all the way from uh, a hotel room in Kansas City, he's uh, the American super fan, Mr. Ray Noriega. How's it going, mate? Hello. Hi. Nice to finally meet you, man. <laughs> finally got here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just to give uh, the, the, the listeners some context. So I found Ray on um, on Reddit, of all places. Um it was a post which really yeah, it was so interesting. So you went to every single game in the U.S. qualifying campaign. Yep, and and I've gone to every World Cup qualifier since 2005. So I haven't missed one in a while. In a while, wow. so it's it's been a, a good run of uh, of qualifiers and and you know big moments. Wow. Okay. So um, let's start it back. So um, tell me about your background. Um, you know where you're from and how did this love affair uh, with the U.S. national team begin? Sure. Yeah, that's a great story. So uh, born and raised in Southern California, um, grew up in a baseball family, uh, was not allowed to play soccer because soccer was a not a fun interaction. Uh, bad words were said when I brought up the, the, the wanting to play soccer. Right. So uh, I'll leave that out. <laughs> but um, uh, so you tell a kid they uh, can't do something and all it all it turns in, they just want to do that. Right. So. Um, my dad decided to take me to the 94 World Cup. Um, there was a game in Pasadena. The U.S. was playing uh, Colombia, thinking that I was going to be bored out of my mind. And as it turns out, as most people know, we ended up beating Colombia, which they were favored to win that World Cup, um, uh, on an own goal. Um, and then uh, we scored again. We beat them 2-0. So that was like what finessed my love for, for U.S. soccer at that, that moment. Um, going to that big game in that stadium surrounded by U.S. fans. You know, U.S. wasn't supposed to do anything, even win a game in that World Cup. And then we come out beating the favorites uh, for that. So that kind of cemented me um, as a U.S. fan and really a soccer fan. Um, and, and really why I wanted to go to that game was because I was a huge Carlos Valderrama fan. And I was there to see him. And then the U.S. ends up winning. And then I'm like, and then I like fell in love with Kobe Jones and how he played and, and, it just, it kind of started from there. So that was like my first uh, love for soccer. And um, from there, I mean, in America, it, it, you know, it's hard to watch games. Pretty much you would only ever be able to see Manchester United games on a random channel on random days if you woke up early enough. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of soccer watching in those 90s outside of a couple games that I was able to go to. And it wasn't until I was an adult with my own money being able to go to games um, fell in love with, with, with watching them in their 2000 run. And then was just like, I'm all in, I'm going to go to as many of these games as I can. And uh, you know, once I realized how qualification worked um, and world cup qualifying um, that first match, I believe, I think we played Mexico in the very first match. Maybe it might've been the second match and we beat them Dos Acero, which is kind of a calling card for us as U S fans against Mexico. And, and it was like, I was like, that's it. I'm going to every qualifier. And then you go to one qualifier set, you do all of them, and then you want to go to the next one, and then you just keep that run going. And, and here's where I'm now with the, you know, I'm just short of 150 uh, total caps um, currently. So, yeah, I, I think 
I think I hit 150 in Qatar, if I'm correct. Wow. So, yeah. That's a that's incredible, yeah. mate. That's amazing. <laughs> um, where do I even start with that? That's a great intro to, yeah. but to your background. Yeah, and, and like getting back really quick with my family, like I, again, I come from a, a baseball family. Everybody either played or coached or something in, in uh, Major League Baseball or, you know, single A, double A, triple A. So like baseball was what we were going to do. And, and while everybody else had the height, I'm on the shorter end. I'm 5'5". Five, five. My mom is 4'8". My dad is significantly taller. So I fell not at a good uh, competitive sport uh, height, but I boxed. So, you know, I threw everything into boxing and I just, I always wanted to play soccer. I just always wanted to, the one, the one time uh, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but the one time I really got to play competitive soccer was in eighth grade. I didn't know any of the rules. I didn't know any of the positions, but I knew goalie just stopped the ball. So I could do that. <laughs> so uh, I tried out for the my eighth grade middle school team ended up becoming the starting soccer uh, goalie. Again, d- didn't even take my own free kicks. Didn't take my own goal kicks. I had to have the defenders do it because I couldn't kick the ball correctly. It was my one and only uh, team I've ever been on, um, <laughs> but which also helped cement me, you know, loving soccer. So, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry, mate. So it sounds like you're pretty handy with your hands then. Um, yeah. So yeah. have you had to use your, <laughs> use your boxing skills in any away days? That, I mean, yeah, that, that helped. Uh, definitely. I've always had, had uh, you know, every once in a while we'll play on away games. We'll um, whatever team we're playing, we'll reach out to that fan base and we'll do a little competitive uh, friendlies like the day before a game. Um, and I'm usually trying to get the, you know, the goalie position because one, I'm out of shape too. So running around, man, that's, you know, soccer <laughs> players got to be in shape and, uh, and, and I'm just like, oh, put me behind goal. I'm still good there. I'm good with my hands. So yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, tell me about your heroes then growing up then for the U.S. I mean, Kobe Jones was uh, my definitive guy um, growing up watching him. Uh, you know, he helped me really cement watching the U.S. national team, loving the sport, just the style of play, his, his um, off-field um, antics. Um, just, yeah, I always, I always really liked him. Um, as I said earlier, Valderrama was a big guy for me, even though he – uh, played for Columbia. He played uh, in the MLS, you know, when they started out. So I did kind of watch uh, him playing in the MLS as well. Um, and then growing up in Southern California, we had the Galaxy, uh, which is one of the you know first teams there. And early on, um, I went to a lot of games between 96 and 2000. Um, and then we got to a point where my parents divorced. They couldn't afford to really drive me out to Pasadena to go to games. So um, I kind of fell off um, going to Galaxy games. But I was still able to go to U.S. games when those came. So, like, I took all that Galaxy energy for those first couple of years as being a fan and then moving on to um, watching the uh, U.S. national team. Um, and I'm kind of glad. So I have no club team, right? I, 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 I'm a free agent, so to speak, to, to root for whoever <laughs> I want. Um, and I, I love it because, you know, if, if I was still a Galaxy fan, like, like end of the day, it's all it's all fun and games. I, I don't really hate anybody for whoever they're rooting for, but it's it's nice to not have to root for Mexico players. Being a if I was a Galaxy fan, a, they love bringing over Mexican players. Um, so you know, uh, last thing I want to do is fall in love with a, a Chicharito or a, a you know Carlos Villa and, and then have to root against them when the U.S. plays them. So um, yeah, so yeah, but yeah, I mean, heroes growing up, it was definitely Valderrama and, and Kobe Jones, who I've been able to meet a couple times going to games. So. Um, I've had some great talks and great experiences with them as well. Um, 
Valderrama. I had a great story of Valderrama that I met him um, during Copa America Centenario in I think it was 2016 uh, when we played them. Um, ran into him at a restaurant and just had a great conversation with him just about soccer and how like. I really started to love the sport because of him and, and really was the hair. It was just like yeah. the wild <laughs> yeah. hair that was just like, who's that guy, you know? So um, yeah, <laughs> definitely those two guys are what are, are the reason, one of the big reasons I love soccer. Oh, that's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about like the, the general match day experience for American soccer fan because um, yeah, it's completely different to like the UK, for example. So let, let's, let's just go from like the beginning of the day. How do you usually start a match day? Sure. So, um, well, I drum during pretty much all the matches. So uh, my match day usually starts with early entry. Uh, we get in there, we set up the drums, we set up our banners. Uh, we go over kind of our, our playthrough of chants that we want to do. Um, and then from there, we'll go to, we have tailgates. Um, I, I'm sure you guys do pre-parties as well at, at pubs or, or whatnot. But for us, we do it uh, through tailgates. Sometimes they're at a pub, but normally they're, you know, like if we're in Kansas City where I'm at now or in Cincinnati or other places that traditionally tailgate for American football, um, we kind of take that um, idea and use that for soccer. So, um, you know, we'll eat, we'll hang out, drink, um, talk about a lot of us travel in for games. So catch up, you know, with our friends and then uh, and then we'll do a march from wherever we're at into the stadium, um, singing chants and, uh, you know, lighting off um, uh, lighting off, uh, I can't think of what the hell they're called all of a sudden. Flares. Uh, flares, yeah, right, jeez. Bad soccer fan. Uh, lighting <laughs> off flares uh, and, and working our way into the stadium. Um, and we'll also usually have night before parties as well. So especially for big games, um, the night before uh, a game, we'll all get together at a bar um, somewhere and, and kind of teach people chants and, and uh, just get people pumped and excited for the game coming up. Um, and then once we're in the stadium, I mean, I hit the ground running. The second I get in, I go straight to my drum and we start up with the chance, whether we're an hour in early or two hours in early um, and just trying to get people excited for the game. Um, and then I'll usually drum um, throughout the entire match. Sometimes I'm playing a giant bass drum, sometimes snare, sometimes toms, kind of depends on who's showing up. Um, there's a good few of us that are regularly at games, but you know, there's been times, big games where it's just been me and one other person and like, all right, that's it. We're carrying the crowd tonight. So. Wow. Um, and there's times where 20 drummers come through and we have no capos to lead chants. So then I'll jump up on the stand and start leading the chants for everybody, which has happened a few times during qualifiers. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like with, with the U S soccer team, there's only, I feel like there's only a few teams that are unique to this. Uh, definitely England would be one, uh, and maybe even Canada, but just because we have so many fans who root for other teams, I feel like U.S. soccer is kind of competing for attention from their own people, right? Because like if you're rooting for Australia, you're probably rooting, if you're from Australia and you're rooting for Australia, it's because you're Australian, right? But in the U.S., I mean, we have Mexican-Americans who were born and raised here who root for Mexico. And we have, you know, Colombian-Americans who root for Colombia. And um, it, it, it can be hard to get them to want to come to U.S. games. But I also understand that a lot of times it's culturally ingrained in them, right? They they, they grow up watching those teams and I'm perfectly okay with, with that happening but there are other countries where like you don't see a whole lot of you know people in Wales when they're rooting for Wales they're not also rooting for a second team because they were probably born and raised in Wales I assume so um it, it's yeah it's just it's always interesting we get we have our, our hardcore U.S. fans 
And then we have our like middle guys who will like, they're kind of rooting for both. They're showing up and the, you know, whoever wins is, they just want to see a good match um, because they may be Mexican American or whatnot. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's been interesting. Cause like, you know, I remember a time watching it and, and never being able to see a game on TV, um, having to read a game in a paper the next day, just cause pre-internet, you know, not knowing what a result was. I mean, we're barely getting things on ESPN after a qualifier uh, nowadays. So it's still, you know, we're, we're a American football driven country with baseball second, maybe basketball second or third and then soccer. So um, it's cool to see how far we've come um, as a fan base and as a culture for soccer. I mean, we're getting Atlanta United is selling out football stadiums, you know, and, and, and our, our women's teams are selling out stadiums and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's fun to finally see people get what I've been getting, you know? So, and if it, if it only comes around world cup, fine, I don't care. You know what? It's fine that you never root for the U S and the other time, but if you're going to root for us during the world cup, I'll take it. Maybe we can get <laughs> you to stick around afterwards, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what's it been like in those last, what, um, eight year period since, well, you didn't qualify for the last world cup. So how, uh-huh, how yeah, was it's that? Not fun. It's, it, it's been not fun. Yeah. Uh, we've definitely seen a, a lot of, um, uh, progression lost. Right. So, um, I've run uh, an American Outlaws chapter in Orange County in Southern California. And um, that 2014 leading up to it, um, you know, we had huge turnouts. Um, And even though I was at that World Cup, you know, I'm still helping run that chapter and seeing the turnouts that we had. And I mean, we were were having to have second and third bars because so many people were coming out for games. Um, And even during qualifying, you know, you see that, you see that gradual climb, that steady climb when you get closer to the World Cup of people getting excited for it and hyped up for it. And man, when we didn't qualify, it was it was just like, see, that's why I shouldn't root for this damn team because they can't even qualify for the World Cup in CONCACAF. They can't beat Panama. They can't beat Trinidad and Tobago. Why should I even bother? Because I, I mean, the American mindset is just like, you know, I mean, I, growing up in, 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 in L.A., you know, I have a gripe with L.A. fans because they only show up when their teams win, right? You know, so that I, that's an American mindset. It, it's weird because we love an underdog. But then we're only rooting for the underdog if they're being underdogs and winning. And then we love rooting for winners, right? So it's, especially with like the men compared to how our women perform, Mm. um, there's a lot, there's always a lot of backlash to like how we've rooted for the men and treated the men um, as a collective. But um, it it has been tough. It, It was after we didn't qualify, just trying to get people to come to matches was just, I mean, we had stadiums empty, uh, you know, just hoping people would want to chant with us. No, why would I, why would I want to go see this team that came qualified for the world cup? So, um, I mean, there was a, you know, there is redemption now that we finally qualified again, we can feel the excitement that people are getting back into it, especially with now that we've, you know, gotten the 2026 world cup, um, when they made the announcements for stadiums, which was, I think, what, what was that a month or two or two months ago, maybe, um, I have friends who I know have never even thought about soccer hitting me up for tickets. Like, Hey, how can you help me get tickets in Kansas city? How could you help me get tickets in, you know, Seattle? And I'm like, dude, that's like, we still got four years away. Like, and when did you all of a sudden get into soccer? And they're like, I don't know. It's just exciting. We're hosting. I want to go to games. And I was like, well, good. Like start with watching the world cup, you know, that that'll help you get excited. So you already know what you're getting yourself into the, this, uh, this coming, uh, this coming winter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it was, it was a tough run, but, you know, I mean, 
you can understand you guys finally qualified after so many years. So like you can see how exciting it is to finally, finally be there. And that for us, how exciting it is to finally be back. Um, mm-hmm. well, I, I mean, I feel bad for, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel bad for, you know, Italian fans, but I'm, I'm okay. If I'm, I'm, I'm okay. If they're not in there, that gives everybody else a little bit of a better chance. right? <laughs> you know, well, as much as I'm upset they didn't qualify, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm happy they did it. They, they won the one game they had to win in the last 50 years against England in that sure. US final. That's all I care oh, about. Let, let me tell you, I, I've never seen, and, and uh, across the internet, a community of countries come together to hate on England so bad for that final. I mean, like, it just brought the world together. <laughs> Nobody wanted England to win that game, except for English fans. Um, yeah, man, that's, yeah. That was, that was a fun game to watch, though. <laughs> Go back to the U.S. So how does it work with, um, like, where's your home stadium, by the way? Like, is it, is, it, is it, like, shared around the cities, or is it always one base? Yeah, we don't have one. We really don't have one. Um, and that's, that's, it, it's, it's, that's another thing that's, like, hard to grow the fandom because um, every game we're in a different state, in a different uh, stadium, in a different city, and, you know, some states have never gotten a game. I mean, California gets plenty of games. They usually at least get one, one a year. Um, but there's, there's things like, like DC has been a couple of years since they've gotten a match. Um, Seattle hasn't gotten one since the 2014 qualification process, or I'm sorry, Portland. Uh, and it's, it's, we, we have no true home stadium. We kind of did in the past. RFK in DC was kind of a home stadium through the nineties. Um, but U.S. soccer has really tried to spread the wealth and really try to, to grow the game all over the place. And it's been good for the uh, overall uh, fandom, but it's difficult to really get people to, uh, I don't know, have regular, it's like, okay, with a club team, right? So you can grow a fandom and you can grow better connections with people when you're seeing everybody day in, day out, every week, every month, or every window. Um, and, you know, I travel to 90% of all games for the U S regardless of where it's at in the U S or outside of the country. Um, and you don't see a whole lot of the same people. You maybe see the same 15 people that travel, but every game you go to, it's a new set of people. It's a new standard. It's a new, new ways going into the stadium, new processes. So it's, it's, it's always different. So it, it, it does prove difficult. I know a, a lot of our fandom kind of complains that, you know, we, we, need more chance or we need better chance, but it's like, we never have the same rotation of people to learn them. So it's hard to even teach people basic chance when they get their one game every two or three years. And it's also hard to keep people engaged and excited when they're only able to see them if they're not traveling every two, three, in some case, five, seven years, you know? So um, yeah, we have no true home stadium. Um, I guess you could make a, make a argument for, Columbus, um, the crew stadium, which we, they know they play in a new stadium now, but um, there was a time where we played, you know, Mexico for every world cup qualifier against them in that stadium. And up until that last time we were very successful um, playing them there. And that was kind of our home stadium, but, but yeah, we don't, we don't have one. I mean, we'd love to have, you know, a, a Wembley where England plays or a, um, you know, Costa Rica and Panama have their national stadiums. They always play their Mexico and Azteca. Well, when they play in Mexico, they play in the U.S. more than they play in Mexico. But, um, uh, you know, it, it'd be great to have a true home stadium where we can really make our our, our stands. But, um, 
I don't know, you know, US is so damn big, it's 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 kind of hard to have one place where they always want to go to. So mm. yeah. How many different states have you watched the US play then? Um boy, I actually don't know that answer, but if I'm I off the top of my head, maybe 20. Um wow. and I mean there's there's a at least half we've never played in. There's a lot of states we've just never played in. And there's some we haven't played in since the 70s and 80s. So, um, you know, the, the, I think the rotation of states that they've played in over the past, let's just say 25 years, there's probably only 15 states, maybe. I mean, they go to a lot of the same, same locations. And to be fair, a lot of those locations they come back to because they have state-of-the-art facilities that, you know, they can train at and have uh, recovery at and, and whatnot. And, you know, with with the U.S., especially with how our facilities um, have grown and our, our farm systems have grown over the past even 10, 15 years, we finally have more locations that have those kind of facilities. But for a long time, there was, you know, five or six that really had state-of-the-art facilities that they could use. And why would you go play somewhere where you could possibly injury uh, or possibly injure one of your players and not have a recovery for them when you could play in the same locations with that? So, I mean, that, that's an argument as to why, at least what I've been told, why they play in a lot of the same spots. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've probably gone to at least 25 states and seen them play. Um, and it would be more if they played in more, you know, states. But and, and we've asked for it. Like, look, I would love every game to be in Southern California where I could just uh, have a one-hour drive to go see a game. But also, I would love to go to other states to see games. Like, part of the reason I started really burying myself in the national team versus the club team was because if I rooted for the Galaxy, you know, maybe in a, um, they might play in Mexico one or two games, they might play in Canada, but they're not leaving the country. They're not, you know, I can't, I don't have the, the chance to go to Germany and watch them play. I don't have the chance to go to England and watch them play, but with the US, they play friendlies outside of the countries at least once a year and they, they play in World Cups in other countries. So that really gave me the excuse to go to these places. Like, you know, for what it's worth, like, I'm probably not going to go to Honduras unless there's a soccer match there. I'm probably not going to go to Trinidad and Tobago unless there's a soccer match there. Cayman Islands, probably not going to go there unless there's a soccer match there. And I've gone to all these places uh, for those reasons. And then you end up falling in love with these countries. I mean, my little group of friends, we love Honduras. I, if we could play every away game in Honduras, we would go there. And most people would like, why would you go to Honduras? You know, the last set of qualifying, San Pedro Sula was murder capital of the world. Why would you go there? And we're just like... It's fun. We have fun in Honduras. And it ends up being a tight little knit group of people who understand how much fun those away games are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just the national team gets to take me to other places. I mean, I've been I've probably been no, I've definitely been to more countries to see the U.S. play than I have states easily. <laughs> so that's yeah. nice. Uh, let's talk about this qualifying campaign. So you've been to yeah. Honduras, um, Panama. Uh, mm -hmm. Costa Rica, yeah, Jamaica are there as well, Canada, Mexico, like oh, that whole campaign, like what was the worst trip you've been on? I mean, let, let's say that I'll start with the most interesting. So with Jamaica this time around, I mean, with COVID restrictions, right, there were a lot of times we didn't know if we were going to be able to play uh, or go to visit these countries to go. Uh, a week up until the Jamaica game, uh, we were told we were not going to be able to watch this game and, and even enter Jamaica. We actually ended up having to get permission from the Jamaican government to come into the country we had to stay at a resort and not leave it until the game happened. And then we had to have special permission to get a bus to drive from Montego Bay to Kingston, 
see the game, and then immediately drive back because there was curfews and and uh, restrictions and and you know there was probably twenty of us maybe that made that trip that went into that game and um, so that was interesting that we needed the government approval to even be able to watch that game. Um, I guess okay. I have I have an answer for you for the worst game, and, and I'll try to make it as not gross as possible. Um, <laughs> in when, when Mexico fans are beating us, they are confident, they are cocky, and rightfully so. They've been the best team in Concacaf, period, historically forever. Um, they usually put us in a cage in a section where we can't be with uh, the Mexican fans uh, for fear of you know fights and whatnot. Um, there have been times where they're beating us. And they've gone and taken Ziploc bags to the bathroom. Uh, they have released their excrements into these said Ziploc bags and proceeded to toss them into our section. So when you're hit with the wet bags, you say to yourself, that's just beer. Because you don't want <laughs> the thought that it's what you think it is. And when you see the brown bag coming, you're definitely running out of the way when that happens. <laughs> Um, that's only happened twice. Um, that was quite a bit ago. Um, Mexican, first of all, to be clear, Mexico fans in Mexico are just the best, nicest people. They're excited that we're there. They will, they, you know, they have the fun jarring back and forth, but when they get in that stadium, they are ruthless. And that's not to say us fans can't be the same way, even though we really don't have anything to show for it. We can't be just as cocky for no reason. Um, but, uh, that's probably the worst experience getting excrements thrown at you. Um, I've had baseballs thrown at me in Panama, which is interesting. I've had batteries thrown at me in Costa Rica. Um, none of the other countries have I've had anything thrown at me, but uh, the excrements in Mexico definitely were the, uh, the top of the line uh, <laughs> <worst part> of, <laughs> of matches. Yeah. So, you know, when you travel abroad, are you allowed to bring your drum with you? Um, so, for World Cup qualifiers, they're not letting us bring them in. They don't want us to have any kind of advantage. But for some away games, um, 2018, we played Ireland. They let us bring some drums in. Uh, we played France right before that was their last match before their World Cup. They let us bring drums in. There's certain countries that do let us uh, uh, bring things in. And, and when we do, um, I will either travel with my drum or uh, we'll rent drums. In fact, when we played France in 2018, we rented drums from a, uh, like just a, a music shop. And uh, we, we rented a drum set. So I played the bass, one of my friends played the snare, another person played a tom. And um, we told them that we were renting the drums to bring it into the game. And they're like, oh, that's that's awesome. Like definitely take some pictures and and, and send it to us. And, and uh, uh, so we came back and they're like, we saw you guys on TV. Like, that was so exciting that you guys like rented our drums and went in there and played and we saw you. And, and so it was like a cool little experience. And then in 2019, when I went back for the women's world cup, um, they played in Lyon for the semifinal and the final. And I busted my head on my bass drum and I had already knew that that drum place carries drum heads. So I went in there and was like, Hey, I'm looking for uh, you know, a new head for my drum. And they're like, I know you, you were here last year for the, for the match. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, look, we have our picture up here of you guys joining the game. It was like, no way. It's so like in the, you know, in the music shop, they had a picture of all of us at the game with their drums. It's like, that's amazing. And then on top of that, remembering, you know, that remembering who we were coming back in to, uh, to replace my drum head. So, and they ended up giving me the drum head like for free. They were like, <laughs> we're so excited that you came back to Lyon to like watch soccer again. I was like, yeah, we, we travel for the game. So. 
yeah. So generally, when we're playing back home in CONCACAF, nobody's letting us bring drums in. But Europe has been more kind to us. They've let us definitely bring some stuff in. <laughs> so you've been to um, just the one World Cup? Uh, so women's, I've been to the last three. Um, and men, I've been to all of them back to 2000 and so 2006 and up. Wow. Um, did I do 2002? I don't remember if I did it. I don't think I did 2002. No, yeah, 2006 and up, with the exception of the last World Cup, 2018. And I, I regret not going. I could have still rooted for other teams. I, I definitely regret not. We all threw a fit. You know, when we didn't qualify for the World Cup, we all, me and all my soccer pals, we all threw a fit. We're not going. We're not even going to watch World Cup. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Pacific Islands and go on a beach and ignore soccer. And then it starts, and I'm like, oh man, I should have went. Oh, I regret not going. Why did I not do this? And then I proceed to watch every single game. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so you went to Germany in 2006? Yes. Wow. Yes. That was a good World Cup, wasn't that? Yeah, it was a good World Cup. Yeah, 2006 was fun. Uh, 2010, I probably have the best memories from. 2014, I got robbed the most. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> got started making a habit of carrying fake phones and fake wallets on my right side. So when I panic, I use my right hand to grab them and, you know, load them up with unflattering pictures of men's genitalia. So they re they realize they're stolen. They've stolen wallets full of, you know, not money. <laughs> it's a fun little way to, a fun little uh, screw you for, for robbing me. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, in, in the past, like 2006, I went by myself. I had no, real soccer friends, you know, you meet people at games. I made friends with um, opposing teams, fans. Um, 2010, uh, work actually paid for me to cover uh, a lot of those games. I was working in Korea at the time and um, they sent me out to cover the Korean game, South Korean games, um, and I ended up being able to see the men's matches as well. Um, 2014, I went with two friends. Um, so finally, you know, started making some soccer pals and, and, and keeping in touch with them, right? They, uh, social media is more present so it's easier to stay in touch with people and kind of plan things more um and then the last two the last two sets of qualifiers like significantly traveling with a lot of people we definitely have a lot of regulars who um who go I mean, 10 to 20 people consistently to every game um this last round of qualifying there was eight of us that did every single match um whereas the uh, 2018 campaign there's only five of us uh, 2014, there was three of us, 2010 and six, there was two of us. So, um, just in that, just in seeing, you know, going from two to, to eight, I know that's not a big jump, but like, and there was a, a number of people that only missed one, you know, they missed the first one or the last one due to whatever reason. So we, we it's again, it's just, it's great to see where we, and how fast kind of we come from. Right. Cause like a lot of people, us fans, again, they get very cocky and very like, their expectations are high and it's just like we we regularly stay between you know 20 and 35 and um considering we've only been a team a, a consistently decent team for as long as we have i think we're doing okay i think we're doing okay yeah let's talk about tickets then you know um so we're in this phase now with, with wales anyway um we've been popular for the last what uh, since what probably 2015 onwards right we've on this huge mm -hmm. trajectory where we've got a lot of fans now and there's always complaints about the loyalty schemes, how it works and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, how's it work with the US then since it seems that 
there's only a few select hardcore fans that are willing to go. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so we, U.S. soccer does give us um, our supporters uh, sections. So uh, I'm part of the American Outlaws. Uh, there's a few other groups out there, uh, Bar 76, um, Sammers, um, and they do give us uh, discounts on, on tickets. Maybe they, they have the supporter section tickets uh, are cheaper than, um, you know, the rest of the stadium. But I think the biggest complaint with U.S. fans is that our tickets for supporters are significantly more than, um, than others. Um, and that's definitely true, especially going to other games and, and um, going to other, sitting with other supporter sections, being like, wow, I can, I can pay $10, $15 for a ticket in the supporter section. Like at home, it's 60 or 70, you know, American dollars for that. So, and for, for some matches, if it's a Mexico match and it's a friendly and a non-important game, it can get up to $120, $150. So um, I think kind of the reason our tickets are on the more expensive side is because they're competing against other tickets from other sports. Um, generally, the only time you're finding a ticket under $30 um, in American sports is baseball. If you're not going to find that for basketball, you're definitely not going to find that for American football, um, possibly hockey, but not really. Um, so I feel as though U.S. soccer generally keeps their pricing um, around what the other American sports pay because I think that they think they can justify that. Um, does it hurt our fan base? Could we sell out more stadiums if they brought the prices? Yes. Um, would people be more inclined to come out for a team that didn't qualify for the World Cup but is still charging $80 for a ticket? You know, <laughs> they, they would come out if they were cheaper. I mean, I, we've sat at plenty of empty stadiums for the past, um, you know, four years. Um, but, but, but qualifiers come up and, and they, they'll sell out. You know, every qualifier we had – pretty sure they were all sellouts at least they definitely felt like it um yeah but ticket prices um i i I can't speak for every country but i feel as though they're on the high end or the highest end um comparatively um but i mean i probably personally only complained about maybe three or four games where i'm just like 150 dollars for mexico for a friendly that's usually where they try to get you um so, yeah, I mean, yeah, ticket prices, high end, but it's been manageable for me. I also am single with no kids and, you know, no wife. So I'm not paying for a family of four, five, six. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah. in terms of like the build up for the next World Cup, like the demand is just going to grow, it's just going to grow, isn't it? So how are they going to manage that then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're talking about 2026, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... If I have people who don't care about soccer who are hitting me up right now, I mean, the, those, I think even the games that nobody wants to see, I still think are going to sell out. Cause I mean, I'm here in Kansas City right now on work. And, you know, they, I have people here who want to go to every match or as many matches as they can. And I'm explaining to them, like, well, you can buy, you know, stadium matches where you can get all the games that are played in that. And they're like, I don't care who I'm seeing. I'm just excited to watch you know, the, the, the granddaddy of them all, right. The soccer at its highest point, they want to, they want to see that. Um, I mean, you know, FIFA allocates tickets for um, the home fans a little bit more than the rest. Um, Obviously that will play to our advantage to going to games. Um, I know there's a lot of worry um, for tickets and and especially travel um, from international fans coming here because between Canada, Mexico, and the U S a lot of ground to cover. Um, 
but I think, I mean, also all of our stadiums are so much bigger, right? Our, our American football stadiums on average, I mean, I think 94 World Cup is still the most attended World Cup. And that's just because our stadiums hold 80,000, 100,000 people. Um, so I think given that, there's more of a chance for more people to come and see games. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping everybody that wants to come and wants to see their team play in all three group matches can get those tickets. And I'm assuming given the bigger stadiums that they'll be able to do that. So um, yeah, I mean, who knows how FIFA is going to play that out. I mean, we've already seen how the ticket window has been working for Qatar and that's been a little frustrating too, especially with <laughs> that they're all digital. You can't resell. And if you want to buy from somebody, you've got to give them your name, your birthday and your passport number. So we'll see we'll see you know yeah i think that's a perfect segue mate so qatar now you're obviously going but how many yes. games are you actually going to so currently i've got 22 games that i'm going to so pretty much two every day and then i've set aside the uh, u.s days just for the u.s game for because i'm sure we're gonna party all morning and all afternoon because we've got the the last game every day um we've got that what 10 o'clock or nine o'clock game um, every night so it's going to be you know a long day leading into that game so I make sure not go to any other matches um, but yeah I think I, I, with the exception of maybe one or two days every day I'm doing at least two matches um, with you know enough time pretty much like one of the early games and then one of the late games um, of each I tried to hit as many teams as possible my original plans were I was pretty much seeing everybody but two teams and then you know how it goes you're not able to get all the tickets you want but I'm at least able to see every stadium once so I, I can I can take that um, as a uh, consolation prize. Um, I'm still obviously hoping to get more tickets down the line, maybe even while you're there in person. Um, if you've gotten any past World Cups, usually you can just kind of show up and there's tickets available. But given that they're doing everything digitally now, who knows? Um, I know I've heard rumors or speculation about physical tickets, but nothing, I haven't seen anything official about that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm doing at the moment 22, trying to get more. But I mean, heck, I'm happy with 10. I mean, in past World Cups, you really couldn't do that many outside of your group stage unless you stuck around in a city and there was a game a day or two afterwards. So I think in the past, the most games I did was, you know, eight to 10, um, you know, the three or four US games and then a couple others where I could. Um, so, you know, not excited to go to Qatar, but a bright side is that you can do a lot of matches. It's all right there, you know? Yeah. So that's like the, the extra benefit. I'm like, all right, well, if I'm going there and they're all right next to each other, I'm going to hit as many as I can. Cause I don't yeah. know if, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this again. Did you have any reservations to go into Qatar? Yes. Right. I mean like the obvious ones, right. The, uh, the, the, the human rights and the, uh, and we've had plenty of in-depth conversations of just like, how do you support something? How do you support something when you, 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 you know, it's, it's like support the artist and not the person. Sometimes, you know, you can like the music and, and hate the person. I'm kind of taking that stance, even though morally I still don't like it, but like FIFA is going to FIFA, right? Like it doesn't matter. They're, they're, it, the, the machine's going to keep going. And, and there is an internal struggle. You know, we have, we have female friends in our group that, that want to go. They're not excited about going. Um, and I mean, you just have to, people who are like, I'm going to protest this. I'm not going to watch it. And you go, yeah, no, I understand. Like, I get it. Um, and for my, my thing, 
It's not a good argument, but my thing is like, I mean, I made it, I've waited eight years for this and, and you, your whole life, you know, for Wales <laughs> yeah. to qualify. So like, <laughs> it, it gets really hard to say no when you've never seen them play in a World Cup, you know what I mean? Especially if you have the opportunity to go see them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, maybe we just pour one out for, it's, uh, it's an insensitive joke, but pour one out for our dead homies and, and pay tribute for, you know, a few <laughs> seconds for the people that I, I don't want to make a joke and make light about it. I, I just, I go straight to funny. I'm sorry. I probably no, no, light of it, but, but, you know, you take a second, you think about the people that that suffered and died for, for the stadium you're about to enjoy in. And then I guess move on. You know, I don't know. They're letting beer in now. So I guess you could do that. Maybe not on the field, but outside. Yeah. yeah it, it, you know, it's a, it's an uncomfortable situation to have to talk about it, but like you also have to acknowledge it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, um, I have to say, mate, you're probably my inspiration for actually going ahead to book everything because I was seeing your stories on Instagram. I thought, oh, I was getting massive fun. Yeah, and you weren't going to go, right? We talked about no. this. You weren't, you weren't going to go. No, yeah. I wasn't going to go. And then, and then you got a ticket and you're like, okay, I can go to one game. And then one game went to two games and then two games with the three games. And then you were talking about, well, maybe I can get some other tickets to other games. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you started, mate. Yeah, well, I, I I fully plan on making sure I'm meeting up with you out there, if if not during a game, you know, in between. Yeah, for sure, mate. Definitely for sure. Um, in terms of like the US on the field, um, what is your chances, mate? Like, do you rate your chances in this tournament? Like, are we getting out of group? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, you always want to you always want to assume your team's going to get a group, right? So like. Okay, best case scenario. I think we can both agree on this. Uh, US and Wales, one and two, right? Uh, yeah, I'm even out. okay. I'm even okay if Wales takes one, if we get out of it and England doesn't. I think we can all agree that as, as, as Wales and US fans, we don't want England through. And, and watching that, that playoff, um, first of all, nobody wanted to be a part of the playing Ukraine, right? Even England the world's going to be rooting against you if Ukraine made it through. As a U.S. fan, we wanted Scotland through because, and purely only because, not because we think they're the better team, we just think that they hate England more. So maybe there's a little <laughs> bit more passion behind that match. Oh, I don't know, don't know, mate. <laughs> I, but I, now, now, but, but I've also talked to a number of Wales fans since they qualified, and I might be convinced Wales hates them more. <laughs> we so definitely like, do, mate. Yeah, like I mean, we weren't we weren't excited, like in the draw. You know, uh, drawing England obviously it was like shit. Like they have, I mean, their depth chart. They 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 have probably on paper the best team to win this time around. So not excited about that. Iran, the best team in that in that pot. Not particularly excited about that. Haven't played well against them in the World Cup as he, uh, for the U.S. Um, and drawing you guys. The benefit of drawing Wales is that. In my opinion, you guys have the best chance of beating England. Not because you necessarily have the better team, but there's so many tangibles in soccer, man. There's so many little things that can happen. You know, like you, you see teams just get hot at the right time, get passionate at the right time, have the heart. And I, I, if we drew England and you guys beat England, that's a win for us. Like we, like we're, we're as U.S. fans, we're upset that we can't be at your guys' game. Like, I would love to be at that. I almost want to go to the Wales-England match more than I want to go to the U.S.-Iran match. Like, it's – it's that's going to be a fun game. That's 
we're going to be upset that we that we're already going to know the outcome by the time we get out of our match. But um, I think you guys have the best chance of of beating England. I mean, straight up, uh, and that's a win for for us. You know, so yeah, we're definitely your... rooting for you guys. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. Let's look at your team, man. I've um, you know, I had a look at quick I had a quick look at your team through Wikipedia. Yeah. It's a very young team this US. I mean, you're building for the next World Cup, aren't you? Really? Realistically, yeah. I mean, yeah. our guys are going to ideally peak during that and you know traditionally the home teams play well and if we have our best guys i mean we consider this our really our golden era um granted they haven't performed you know like our say our 2002 team um but we feel as though they have the ability to do that right they can they can kind of turn on that switch and and get hot um when they need to um but they are young i mean i i I think we're going to have the youngest team going into this world cup Mm. um uh as far as age average goes um so whether we don't you know, if we don't perform well this World Cup and we perform well in 2026, I'll take that. I don't, I don't mind waiting another four years for a good run, especially being able to see it at home. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, these guys, you know, a lot of them still have, uh, they haven't hit their their ceiling yet. Um, I, at least we feel like they still have a lot of potential um, to excel at higher levels. Um, even some of the guys who are currently playing in MLS, I mean, they've, they've got, you know, a couple 17, 18, 19 year olds that, that, I mean, Germany's been, Germany's been helping build our guys up. Great. I mean, we have so many guys <laughs> going to Germany first and then splitting off to, you know, England and, and Italy. And um, so thank you Germans, by the way, for, uh, you know, helping field <laughs> our guys and, 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 and make them better football players. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're optimistic, um, but I, I feel, and I think I could speak for the rest of us as a fan base that 2026 would really be our shot to go deep. I don't think we're going to win a world cup. If I'm being honest, if I'm being real, I think I'm ideally hoping we can make a run like how Russia did during their run, you know, in their world cup. I mean, hell, even, you know, South Africa beat Mexico in their world cup. You never know a home team. And we've traditionally played well at home, you know, so um, who knows, but but I I feel as though our team is definitely, um, you know, building for 2026. I mean, it, it couldn't have come at a, at a better time. I mean, if you, you know, if you look at how how FIFA took their money and, and took their bribes for stadiums, I think that originally it was supposed to be England was supposed to get 2018 and then we were going to get 2022 and then it ends up going to Russia and Qatar. So, sure, that sucks. But like, given how our team is, I would rather be hosting in 2026 than right now, um, mm-hmm. given our how our guys are and where their ages are and where they could possibly tap uh, hit their ceiling. So, yeah, 2026, we're very optimistic, very optimistic. We'll see how, I mean, you know, getting out of group stage is obviously the goal for any team going into a World Cup. Um, you know, I currently have my flights booked for after round of 16. Um, obviously, I think that, you know, and, and group one, like like uh, uh, group A with, uh, you know, Netherlands is obviously the favorite there, but people underestimate Senegal. Um, mm. uh, Ecuador placed third in in their qualification they played amazing during their qualification so you can't look away from them um who, who else is in that group Qatar on uh, Qatar I mean they're playing at home I mean they've they won the uh the last Asia Cup so like who knows who's gonna come out of that group and given of us or you and hopefully not England um you <laughs> never know who you I mean you know, maybe the Netherlands don't perform as well and Senegal gets a good run and, or Ecuador plays how they played during qualification. And all of a sudden, maybe you win the group and maybe winning the group is not the best route. You know, who knows? Maybe, 
winning the group gives you Netherlands. And that's not, that's not the ideal route. So, um, so again, optimistic, but with the right matchup, we've played well versus Qatar. We've played well versus Ecuador. If we get second and they get first, or we get first and they get second, we could make it to, you know, the semis and, 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 and then who knows? I mean, sure. France and Argentina are your likely opponents when you get that far. And let's face <laughs> facts, they're probably going to smash us if, uh, you know, if we get that far, but you never know on any, on any day, the ball can fall in the right spot and then our man is there and then you put a goal in. I mean, hell, we almost beat them in 2018. We almost beat France in France leading into the world cup and that us almost beating them made them make a bunch of changes going into that world cup. So, I mean, you, you never know. You never know. What are you most looking forward to for the, uh, in the world cup? Seeing English fans sad, and I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of hate from English fans for that. But um, <laughs> I mean, look, look, I've already said this. They have the most depth. They maybe they're not the number one favored, but for me, they're the most favored to take the whole thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're rightfully cocky. I mean, they invented the sport, you know, but man, I'd love to see them sad. And I'd especially love to see them sad losing to you guys more so than losing to us. You know, I, I, as Americans, we love the whole, we love to throw the whole, well, you guys have never beaten us in a world cup. Like, you know, <laughs> that's true. In 1950, you drew against us in 2010. Um, so we've got that one little thing we're holding on to. And I'd like to hold on to that just a little bit longer. I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a draw just to hold on to that a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Um, no, real, realistically, realistically, um, meeting new people from around the world, every world cup I've gone to, making new friends, new soccer friends, um, to then go back and hang out with them when we go back and play them again um, mm. is just like, I mean, I still have friends that I made in that 2010 US England game who I was sitting next to, who, you know, after that draw, we went out and had a beer and like just became friends. And every time I go to England, like the last time we played England was I think 2018, we played them in Wembley. Um, and I think they destroyed us like three zero. And I was there. I was hanging out with them before the game, hung out with them after the game, still keep in touch with them. Um, obviously, was going back and forth with text messages as soon as we found out we were playing each other again in group. Uh, but yeah, making, you know, making new soccer, new friendship, you know, the beautiful game, uh, making friends with people for for common interests, um, making friends with you. I mean, perfect example. Like we found each other on Reddit talking about soccer. Like how else are you going to, you know, they, my, my best friends have come from watching the sport, um, both domestically and foreign, you know, so yeah, that's really realistically what I'm looking forward to. But the fun answer is watching English fans sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk about um, World Cup kits more, you know, particularly like um, the USA kits. So what's your favorite US kit of all time? 2012, what we call the Waldo. The, uh, they've got the, it kind of looks like this one right here. It's got the red stripes going all the way across. Um, kind of looks like a, what a Celtic kit, but, you know, in red. Um, I think some people don't like it, but I think universally, if you talk to most fans, I think the Waldo kit is the most representative of the U.S. Now, traditionally, we kind of always wore white at home um, and either red or navy blue away. Um, but we feel, though, as a fan base, we don't have any consistency, right? We don't have the Croatia checker. We don't have the Italy blues or the Brazil yellows. Um, we have nothing traditional. And we feel those, though, the well majority of us, um, that the Waldos are the most representative. You know, the flag. We've got the, the, <laughs> the, the stripes. And, and I think yeah. a lot of people will also argue the 94 
um, away jersey that we wore, the uh, the denim looking blue one with the stripes or the I'm sorry, the stars that go mm. across the chest. I think that one's iconic for a lot of people just because a lot of people, especially my age in 94, is what cemented them and got them into soccer because I, you know, I'll be honest, before 94, we hosted that World Cup, soccer was not on my radar. Again, I came from a baseball family. It was not on my radar. And then we find out we're having the World Cup. And then, you know, it just takes one little rabbit hole. And then all of a sudden you start looking at everything. You start getting anything. You feel the hype. You go to the game and wow, I think I'm a U.S. soccer fan now or a soccer fan in general. Um, I think the U.S. will definitely get another wave of that once we host um, and hopefully bring in a, a whole new group of fans, um, both older and younger. Um, but yeah, I, I think that 94 kid is iconic for a lot of people just because that was their first experience, um, not just as a soccer fan, but also U.S. fans. So they, they really hold that that jersey close and tight. Um, but yeah, for me, it's the 2012 uh, home Waldo. Like it's, if we if we could have a, you know, differentiate off, I mean, even this again, is kind of a takeoff of that, right? We got the stripes, even though it goes in the red and the blue, but um, we all like that, that version of that kit. We had another kind of Waldo kit in 2017 for our gold cup. Um, it was a uh, still striped with a red and navy blue. A lot of people love that kit as well. Um, I just, I think we look good in stripes because of, you know, our flag. <laughs> when you say Waldo, you mean Wally, don't you? I mean, where's, where's Waldo? Yep, where's Wally? That's right, that's Wally. It's Wally up there. Correct. Yes, Wally. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Where's Wally? Yes. So the yeah. Wally kits for us. Yeah. Yeah, the Wally kits. Um, let's talk about your kit for this World Cup then. Um, big fan of it? Uh, well, no. Um, you know, the... The home kit is, the home kit will be fine. Hopefully we're wearing uh, blue shorts with that. I feel like that'll be fine. Sure, the people's expectations for World Cups are always high, right? You know, every country with every team expects to have the best jersey out there because it's a World Cup. And, and any, any design you might have created over the last four years should go into that World Cup kit because that's your spotlight, right? So expectations are always high. Um, yeah, the, the home kit, I, I think, can grow on me. Um, so I'm like reluctant to say, I don't like it, but that away. Oh boy. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but if you do just quick, a little quick Google search, uh, it looks like a tie dye shirt, a Navy blue and dark blue tie dye shirt. Um, I just think it's poor. It's a poor, it's a very poor Jersey for a world cup kit. Um, it looks like it could be a training top. Um, you know, yeah, not excited about that away. Am I going to buy it? Yes. Cause I collect all the kits. <laughs> Am I excited? Am I going to wear it a lot? No, I'll wear it to that World Cup and probably trade it, you know, with another fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I'll, st- I mean, I have a, I have a closet just full of kits going back to the 50s, well, going back to the 30s, realistically. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I'm a big collector of, of, I've got just about every US kit that I'm able to attain to the point where I've gotten jerseys from former players um, from the 50s and the 60s who, um, you know, they don't make those jerseys anymore and you really can only get it through contacting those players. And I didn't contact for that. I, I was actually doing a project. Um, there's so much misinformation of the kits that we've worn in the past. Um, me and a few friends uh, kind of worked on a project to have a definitive list of the history of U.S. soccer kits, you know, going from present as far back as we can go. Um, and while I was able to, you know, buy through eBay to get kits going through, you know, the early 80s, 70s, 
in, in, in 60s and 50s or dark times for U.S. soccer. I mean, there's not a whole lot of information. Even U.S. soccer, I had to go to historians to find information because U.S. soccer doesn't even have a database and the Hall of Fame doesn't even have a database um, going back before the 80s. So, um, so it was a lot of like old school searching, you know, looking up rosters, looking up things in phone books and internet and making cold calls like, hi, sorry to bother you, sir. My name is Ray Noriega. I'm a U.S. soccer fan. I just have some questions for you. And it was, it started with like, tell me how your experience, you know, just a basic interview of just learning about these players and how it was being a U.S. player at that, that time. And then, and then being like, do you have any pictures you could send me? And through that conversation, they come to find out that, you know, I'm just looking for information on jerseys that you wore. And they're like, well, I could send you these. And I was like, these belong in the Hall of Fame. In which case, in, 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 uh, for a few jerseys that I did receive, I ended up donating the Hall of Fame because those are better in those hands than in my dusty closet, you know, collecting dirt that I certainly would never wear because they're originals, you know. Hmm. So um, so it's been fun to, to, to kind of find some lost information, you know, to time. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I keep rambling with your question. No, no, Carol, I, I love, I love yeah. Kit Spark. Like, honestly, I've got a mate back yeah. in Wales who's listening to this right now and he'd be loving this conversation. So yeah. Yeah, what I is mean, the it, most like what's the most um valuable in your opinion the shirt that you own right now the most valuable in terms of dollar amount um i have a, a 1950 world cup uh jersey that i got from um one of the players who is now deceased uh one of their families family members um i still currently have it i'm trying to get the hall of fame to take it um it's just been too much going on with COVID and whatnot. So I have it like put away where it's not just hanging in a closet, you know, getting stretched out on a hanger or anything. Um, in terms of money, I would probably say that's the most valuable because um, it's not from the England game, but it's from, uh, I think it's from their opening match um, from one of the players. So I, in terms of dollar amount, that's that's my most expensive, but probably my, I mean, like, gosh, I mean, Centennial, our Centennial kit in 2013, is a sought after Jersey. Those ones always go for a couple hundred dollars. Um, I have a don't tread on me Jersey that we wore once in 2000 and oh gosh, six. I think we wore that. Um, there's not a whole lot of jerseys that were produced with that. Um, a couple other one-off jerseys. I don't really like collecting one-offs, but then, you know, you start collecting stuff and then you run out of things to collect. And then you're like, well, all right, I guess I need to drop a couple hundred dollars on these jerseys because I don't have just to complete it. And then you and then you're like, crap, I have a problem. I have an addiction to collecting jerseys, right? Because then 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 you run out of jerseys to collect, and then you go, all right, I don't need to collect anything more. And then you start going to other games, and then like so like I have a you know a Ghana jersey because I went to a Ghana game while I was in Africa, and then I have like a you know Costa Rica game that I went to when we didn't play then, and then I usually start. And then, and, then you're, and then you have to dedicate a whole side of your closet to jerseys. And you're just like, great, this is awesome. But <laughs> so every time I take, you know, a work trip, I throw on a different jersey wherever I'm going. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, is there a particular jersey that you, you've always sought after, but you've never been able to get it? Yes. The, the okay. So in 1984, the U.S. couldn't find anybody to play them. So at that time, our regional league was the uh, NASL, the North American Soccer League. And they created a team called Team America to get the national team to have regular competition, to get practice in. So they basically created a team for one year in that league called Team America. And that was our national team for that year. <laughs> Nobody international will play them. 
This is a real story. Everybody can look this up. Um, I've been trying to get the away jersey. So the Team America, there's actually a company in England that um, I think it's Tufts. Um, they recreated a lot of jerseys. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, Tufts. They yeah, recreated yeah. The, yeah, they recreated the home Team America jersey. Now, you know, they, for legal reasons, they can't put the Adidas logo and all that. But it's it's yeah. basically their home jersey. But that away jersey, it's like a, a blue pinstripe and white jersey. I have been trying to find that thing forever. I've talked to players. Players are not giving that up for good reason. Um, you know, I've tried. It's popped up on eBay once. And it went for like a couple, I think it went for like $1,500. And I put in a bid. I was trying to get it. I was sniper bidding right there at the end. Wasn't able to grab it. That's my jersey that I really want to obtain. That, that uh, just to, com- again, to complete, to complete my, for my completionist uh, in me, I need that jersey. That's one I haven't been able to get. Yeah. yeah. Do you collect um, jerseys from other teams, like other national teams? Yeah. So uh, if I, if I see them play, for a non-US game, um, you know, I'll take a, I mean, I think you saw my September window coming up here. I'm planning on going to a, a Belgian game. Uh, Belgians playing, I think the, they're playing you guys. They're playing Wales. So you're going um, to Belgian right? Wales, are you? Yes, I'm going to Belgium, Wales. I'm going to Spain, uh, Switzerland. Uh, going to Andorra versus, I think they're playing Lativa or Georgia. I'm just <laughs> trying to hit countries and go to games. So I'll usually collect uh, the jersey of that home team that uh, oh, I'm wow. I'll buy it there, I'll buy it ahead of time. Um, so outside of my U.S. jerseys, I've got my collection of international teams that I've seen play um, at home that I'll also collect. So I kind of got to set rules for myself. Otherwise, it'll get out <laughs> of hand and then I have a second closet full of jerseys. But yeah, so I have a, a number of other international team jerseys um, of teams yeah. that I've seen. So you're going to Belgium, Wales. So you, are you sure you're not working for the U.S. Uh, national team? You're a scout no, or something. I promise I'm not. I just want to see Wales play before we play them. I want to see how you guys. And look, you know what? I said I had a surprise for you, right? Really quick, just because we're on this topic. I got a surprise for you. I brought it for me on this trip. You know, my earpiece just fell out. I'm planning on wearing this to this game. All right. I've got my Wales jersey here. Oh, I will be wearing yes. at that game. Which I went to. Uh, I went to a Nations League Wales game. Uh, I think 2018. I want to say they played. I think they played. Nah, I don't remember who they played. Uh, <laughs> but went to that game. Got my Wales kit. Made a lot of friends in that section. Made friends at the bar the night before the game. They ended up getting us tickets in the supporters section, and. Uh, Ended up hanging out with them, cheering with them. Wait, I got one more thing for you. What have you got? Got a, got a couple of little accessories here to wear. <laughs> <Got the dragon>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm ready that to go. That is brilliant. I, I'm wearing this to that game. <laughs> oh, no. Where'd you get that hat from? Uh, at, at the game, at the Wales. Uh, God, who did they play? I don't remember who they played. Uh, but yeah, just in the stands, they were like selling these little, you know, hats. Uh, and I was like, well, I, I have to have that. I have to have that to go with my jersey. So <laughs> yeah, just in the stands. <laughs> oh, that's a great surprise. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now for the rest of this interview, I'm wearing the Wales jersey. Oh, but yeah, so that, that jersey you wear right now. So that was the jersey that Gareth Bale broke the, the goal score record in. So I was at that you game trying to cut yep. back in 2018, scored the hat trick. Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a great jersey, that one. And yeah, yeah, they didn't sell many of that jersey, so it was quite a rare one. 
Um, yeah, I actually, and the bought, I actually I had, bought two of those jerseys. Really? Yeah, and the this one is because when I went with friends, um, my other friend bought the away, the green one. So she wore the green and I wore the white. That way we were wearing, you know, both those jerseys uh, for that for that match. So, um, yeah, I wear this thing pretty often, actually. All people come up and they're like, a Wales jersey? I've had a few people in the airport be like, Wales? Like, where did you go to school there? Did you like, and I was like, no, I just went to a game, bought the Wales jersey, had a great time. <laughs> actually, I got a great side story for you. So we're in the section, me and my friends, and they're doing a chant. And, you know, the accent, Americans, we're not good at reading the accents. And it sounds like they're saying, we will obey. We will obey. And we're like, we will obey. They'll obey. They'll obey. They'll obey the queen. Like, what's the, they have to be saying something else. What are they saying? So the chant stops and it goes a couple more times. And we're like, they can't be saying we will obey. Maybe they're obeying the team. They're chanting for the team. What is it? And so we, so we eventually the, the chant dies down. We ask our friend, what are, you, what are you guys saying? And they're like, we're saying we're on our way. Oh, we're on our way. Jesus. So it's kind of a running joke amongst our friends now, um, especially when we see Wales uh, matches or we're watching Gareth Bale even. We'll start saying we will obey, like we will obey to watch the, the Wales national team. So that's kind of been a running joke with, with, with a bunch of us um, that we really love doing. And we've actually done it at a few U.S. matches where we'll start saying we will obey. We will obey. We're on our way. We're on our way. So your guys' chant has snuck into us. Uh, a few matches in the past. <laughs> well, you mentioned the, the yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the main man Gareth Bale. Um, how's he? How's he getting along? And um, where's he playing for? Is he playing for LA? L- LAFC. LAFC. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So how's, how's the main man going? Good. They they seem to love him. They definitely seem to love him. Um, yeah. From my understanding, uh, he's doing pretty good. I, I I mean, I that's the 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 downside of not having a club team is I don't always get to follow everything that's going on. But I mean, I have friends who are, are LAFC fans and I mean, they, they, they were stoked when he got there and they're still excited that he's there. So my understanding is he's going, he's doing great. He's being, he's loved out there. I mean, anytime a, uh, a big name international comes to MLS, there's definitely a lot of hype around them. Um, and even if they don't perform well, people still love them for their past and they can kind of do no harm for the most part. Yeah. I know. I was really happy he went there because the rumors were he was going to go to his hometown club who's sure. uh, I'm not, I'm not going to name them mate, because that's a swear word in this household, but um, got it. So yeah. So you, you probably guess who I support my club, yes. but um, yes. yeah. So when he, when Bale announced going to LA, I was so stoked for him, but also, you know, some scouting there for some reconnaissance work for the world cup, hopefully. Sure. Sure. But I found out he's yeah. played with all, uh, all the Mexican players. So it's not really. Yeah. LAFC <laughs> is loaded with a lot of Mexican players. Yeah. yeah. You got it. yeah. So that's not going to help <laughs> us to like maybe the quarterfinal. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. like go go with like the the whole you know with the mls right now so obviously it's grown since the 90s and mm-hmm. you know it, the perception is well it was anyway that it was just like a league where ex-pros from the from europe or the uk sort of retire there yeah yeah um, retirement league, it, absolutely yeah so right now like what do you think the perception is right now when you've got these top players playing there i mean I still think there is the perception of the MLS being a retirement league. I, I, you know, uh, there, there's a fan base here who doesn't want to accept that. And, and, and that's okay. Um, there's also a fan base who can be Euro snobs where they're just like, Oh, you know, I don't want to watch MLS. I want to watch the, and, you know, it's fair. Like you want to watch the best of the best, right? Cream of the top of the top. Um, but um, I mean, personally, as far as MLS goes, it's bettered. 
uh, our federation, or no, I'm sorry, not our federation, our um, our region, right? So maybe there's a lot of top players that come there in their twilight years, but we get guys from Panama, from Costa Rica, from Mexico, from from Jamaica, from countries mm-hmm. that traditionally didn't really have leagues where they could go and play and star and perform well at to now MLS is bettering these players and in turn bettering these countries because these players are able to see better talent outside of their regional leagues. So sure. I mean, MLS is probably still the second league in that region. I mean, I think Liga, uh, Liga MX, the Mexican league um, is still the best league um, in this region. Um, I mean, you could just see that they're just always winning the, um, you know, the regional championships, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, 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 you know, it's better. Our, our farm systems have gotten better. You know, our, 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 um, there's been more investment in um, training, uh, you know, kids um, in, in the past. I mean, I can't think of what, can't think of what they're calling them at the moment, but um, in the past we had one or two places where we're really growing players. And now every club really has, a training ground where they're getting kids at, you know, 10, 12, 15 and, and having homegrown guys um, being able to start with the, you know, the main squad and, and, and then going on to Germany, going on to um, maybe in Mexico and um, the Netherlands and, and, and broadening their horizons. Um, But we've been able to do that for players of other countries in our region. So, I mean, I think it's great because if teams in our region get better, that means the competition gets better. That means we get better. That means people consider CONCACAF better. Um, granted, you know, we know at the grand scheme of thing, we're probably always going to be third, you know, after Europe and then South America, and then maybe us in Asia go back and forth or even Africa. Um, so yeah, I think while it can be a retirement league for a lot of European players, there's been a lot of European players who also kind of praise it. I think Gerard, when he came through, he, he mentioned that like it doesn't feel like it's a retirement league, at least when he arrived. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it's it's look, it's fun to see players come play in the middle. I've gone to games that maybe I didn't care about the club team, but I wanted to see Bale play. I wanted to see Beckham play. I wanted to see Gerard play, uh, Rooney, you know, and even if I'm seeing them when they're maybe not as good as they used to be, I don't care. I'm excited to see them because I never got a chance to. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it still helps Americans getting more into soccer um, just because they can now have access to those stars in their backyard. Hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the league still has plenty to go. You know, it's only been around for what uh, just short of 20 years. Um, So considering where it started to now where, you know, we're seeing in Atlanta in Portland and in in Sacramento, in San Antonio, they don't even have MLS clubs, but they have the lower tier clubs selling out stadiums. Like I would have never, like if you would have told me that was going to happen 10, 15 years ago, I was like, we're not, we're not going to be there in 10 or 15 years. We're not going to see Atlanta sell out a football stadium for a soccer team. Not going to happen. Is it a, is it a U.S. Mexico game where it's 80% Mexicans? All right. Then I can say it's going to sell out, but <laughs> for an MLS club, not going to happen. And now we're seeing it happen. So it's, it's, it's great like it's it's people are really taking to it now probably helps that baseball baseball's getting boring <laughs> <laughs> getting boring though always has been boring <laughs> fair and i come from a baseball family fair <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right um, let's talk about like uh, your neighbors so 
Um, when I, I was talking to my mates the other day um, about interviewing you, and they wanted me to ask you, what's your thoughts on Canada finally qualifying for a World Cup? Excited. We're, 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 we're happy Canada's finally getting it together, right? So objectively, Canada getting better, better's the region, better's the quality of play. I mean, Alfonso Davies is easily the best uh, player in this region. Like, hands down, nobody's close. He is amazing. Um, we, I mean, when they beat us in Nations League in 2019, I was at that game in Toronto, and in traditional Canadian fashion, they were apologizing for beating us. And we're like, you guys played great. We were, I mean, we're not as stoked that we played like, like crap, but like you guys played a solid game. You guys were exciting to watch. We're glad you guys are finally competitive, right? You know, we want to have a, maybe a second rival. We want to have, we want to be able to play you guys and be like, this game's going to be important. This game's going to be fun, exciting. So we're excited that they qualified. Um, and for work, uh, I've gone to a lot of Can uh, Canada matches, especially during Gold Cup, and I've watched Canada play Mexico. And those games felt like U.S.-Mexico games. They felt important. Like you could feel the energy from the Canadian team um, knowing that they are on the cusp of finally getting to where us and Mexico is. And you could feel that. And in those past couple matches that I saw them play Mexico, they had just, I mean, like I think Mexico had some like 89th minute goals that were questionable goals. And you're just like, oh, Canada should have won. And you're rooting for Canada. <laughs> and then world cup qualifying happens and we go to canada and canadians are cocky because they're playing well rightfully so they beat mexico for the first time in canada great game we loved that they played mexico in the snow and they beat the snot we were watching that in jamaica at a bar going like rooting for canada and then as soon as that game match as soon as that game ends we're like oh they're gonna do the same thing to us we're gonna play somewhere in the cold like they're gonna take advantage of that crap Right. So we get there and those Canadian fans are just, you feel the juice in the air, even though it's cold, you feel the excitement amongst those Canadian fans and they were rowdy, man. They were, I never thought I'd say I didn't like a Canadian fan. And those fans were not, they were the worst fans in all of qualifying hands down. Nobody was close to how bad they were, especially after that game. Um, we hated them after that game. They were, <laughs> but they were rightfully cocky. I mean, they're, they're ahead of everybody and beating the snot out of everybody and not, they had, they, I think they only lost one match in all of qualifying. I think they lost uh, Honduras away right there at the end. Um, uh, they lost, they lost, lost two games in the end. The two two games. games in the end. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess I didn't realize they lost that second game, but, but again, rightfully so. Like I'm, we're excited that Canada soccer it's finally arrived. Like we feel like they're arrived. Um, you know, early on, there was a lot of kind of back and forth, especially with Canadian media where they were like, you guys can always come up here and you feel like you can just come take three points from us. And that's always been what it is, but not anymore. And we're like, well, we never played you guys in qualifying because you never made it far enough. So we still <laughs> had that like cockiness. Like we still had that cockiness of like, why are you guys getting, you guys haven't done anything. You guys won one regional trophy ever. Like, all right, whatever. Like have your, take your win or whatever. And then they beat us and you're like, yeah, no, I mean, they, we didn't even necessarily play that bad. They legitimately beat us. All right, let's go Canadian soccer. So yeah, I'm, and it's, it's, it's good that they're getting hot now because now they're going to host, you know, uh, joint host with us, Mexico for the 2026 mm. World Cup. So I'm excited for their run. I mean, am I going to root for them in uh, Qatar? Absolutely not. 
Am I going to root for every team that plays against them and hope they lose every game 6-0? Absolutely. And to be fair, really quickly, to be fair, a lot of those rowdy, rowdy, really nasty fans that we saw are, from what other Canadians have told me, are the hockey fans. So we know Canadians can get very rowdy with their hockey. So I'll take that for what it's worth. The, uh, the people in Vancouver and Calgary and Montreal and everywhere else are just like, no, that's not, that's not our fan base. That's not who we are. So I was like, all right, we'll take that as a one-off. But, but based on the experience we had in Canada, we are rooting against Canada for all of, all of the World <laughs> Cup. I'm going to all three Canada games too. Uh, are you ready? All, the games that I'm going to. all three Canada games. And I'm definitely rooting against them for each one. I'm sorry, Canada. I, <laughs> I want to see all, all of that big headedness you got in World Cup qualification. I want to see it all kicked out of you in the World Cup. Which they probably want the same for us, so that's that's fair. How about Mexico then? Like this, you're another obviously another rival for you, but um, how, how do you see them doing in, in the World Cup? Oh, how do I see them doing? Right, okay, I couldn't remember if it was how do I see them doing or how do I feel about them, which I guess is the same. Um, I mean, look, they got a Canada has a great group for them. They have an ideal group, right? That's, I mean, like they could knock it out of group, but Canada has a great group. Mexico, I mean, you got Argentina, right? That's Canada, Mexico, Mexico has not been playing well. So the fact that they got Argentina in that group after not playing well is, is not good for them. Um, remind me who else is in that group. It's uh, Poland and Saudi Arabia. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Poland. I mean, I think, I think they could get out of group. I mean, Poland, I think would be the big, they'd have to perform well in that Poland match. I think they could beat Saudi Arabia, but again, Saudi Arabia is basically playing at home. And again, home teams have played well. I mean, it's basically a home match for them. So yeah, you know, I mean, Mexico could, could, they didn't, they, you know, they haven't, they haven't played well. So I'm probably more worried for them than I am us or Canada or even, well, Costa Rica is not, Costa Rica is probably not winning the game. I'm sorry. I love the Costa Rican team and I have a lot of Costa Rican friends, but they're probably not winning the game, but I'm, I'm more worried for Mexico than I am Canada and us just because they haven't played well. Argentina, they're, they're not going to win that game. Uh, Poland, maybe they get, you know, maybe they just get the feeling of being in the World Cup and they play well against Poland. Saudi Arabia playing at home, who knows? Yeah, I don't. I'd like them not to get out of group. That's a good little card that I can throw at them, you know, as a fan. <laughs> but I don't know, there's, not, there's like a mutual respect for Mexico. Like, you know, where they're obviously their biggest rival. Um, but like, I, you know, I love, I love the Mexican people, even the Mexican-Americans who, who I grew up with and they were rooting for Mexico. Um, they've always been the best team. They've always, we've always kind of been their little brother, you know, um, and at times have sometimes been the bigger brother for a brief period of time. Um, so there is that mutual respect. I know a lot of a lot of people, especially in our region, and I assume in other regions, always want their region to perform well, right? Like maybe you root for your team, but you also root for your other teams in your region. So as a whole, you can get more respect from the world, from the worldview of soccer. Um, and because of my connections that I've made with Mexico fans, going to game, playfully jarring with them, but also like, I can't tell you how many times we've gone to their tailgates and partied with them and danced with them and like, you know, <laughs> uh, shared games with them like you want them to perform well um because you love the people but as the rival you also just want to really throw things in their face you know you really want to i don't know 
We 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 love to. Uh, they 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 weren't going to qualify for the World Cup in two thousand and fourteen, and because we beat Panama, we got them in. And I think I think as a fan base for U.S. and Mexico fans, we've kind of had a truce since then. They could have helped us in two thousand eighteen. That would have been cool. But I think there's been a a, a, a consistent mutual respect since 2014 um, with Mexico. So, I mean, I want to see them do well because traditionally they have. Um, I do feel I would legitimately feel bad if they didn't get out of group. But at the same time, it's fun to throw more things in their face as a as a fan. So, you know, again, I go back and forth. I'd rather see Mexico do good than Canada. Canada can lose all their games. I, I, <laughs> Canada can lose all their games. I don't care. <laughs> hey, at least Mexico looked good, though. Probably got the best-looking kit so far, home and away. Oh, 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 by far. That away kit? Oh, man. The, away, the home kit is nice, but that away, that maroon, because traditionally in the past, Mexico wore maroon uh, as their away. But that maroon and cream with the, the I want to say it's Aztec, uh, an Aztec design. Uh, I'm, pre- I'm positive it's not mine. I'm pretty sure it's Aztec, but it's just beautiful. Like, and I love seeing Mexico in the green shirts with the white shorts and the red socks. For me, that's like, that's their traditional kit. That's, you see that color, you know, that's Mexico on the field. So given that we as a U.S. team doesn't have a traditional kit, um, I love seeing Mexico in green, but I think that away is the best kit they've ever had, in my opinion. Like, I really want to buy that kit, even (laughs) though I don't want to wear it. I really, it's just so beautiful. They, they, I think they have the best kit. That, that awake is the best kit in the world that for me. I think so. I mean, it's not a really hard competition this year because all the, the kits are pretty generic, aren't they? Especially those Puma kits. Oh, boy. <laughs> those Puma aways, man. It, I think, I think it's really quick. The Puma aways, individually, if they all weren't like the same kind of template, I think they would be rad. Like if, if you just saw them as a, like just, you know, Switzerland's version or just Morocco's version, then I think they would be really cool. But the fact that they all have kind of the same design makes it less cool. I don't know. What do you think? Well, the problem with those kits, right, is it's basically an empty center, right? You have to get the numbers for it. Otherwise, you right. look like a complete div without the numbers on it. It's yeah. just a square. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think some of those, if they were one-offs, they probably would have been well-received. But because as a whole, how they look, yeah, they're, just, they're not very good. Yeah. And Nike... Yeah. I mean, I, I think Adidas wins in this this mm. round. Adidas definitely wins. Yeah, even though we've got given the most, you know, off-the-shelf template possible. Yeah, um, I know you weren't happy about that. We talked about that. Nah. As soon as those dropped, we <laughs> talked about that, yeah. <laughs> Not too happy, but I've still bought two of them, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're your guys' World Cup kits, finally, so yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but hey, what's your thoughts on um, getting numbers um, on your shirts? Like when do you think it's, so, when do you think it's the appropriate age to like not have numbers on the shirts? So I don't put numbers on my kits only because of washing, right? I mean the wear and tear of numbers, and then the kits are at some point ruined um, unless you have somebody who's really good at removing the residue and re re renumbering them. Um, my hard rule for collecting is no numbers, no patches. However, I still collect the patches. I still have a bag of all of the patches between gold cups and tournaments and world cups and everything. I still collect them, even though I don't put them on my kits. Now I'm assuming at some point my jerseys are going to go from, my kits are going to go from, sorry, I slipped there. got a little American with the jerseys. My kits are, <laughs> uh, are, are, are going to be, I'm going to retire them. In which case I'll probably number them 
and I'll uh, put the patches on them and maybe frame them or something, you know, maybe like this is the jersey I wore to that World Cup and whatnot. Um, but my role is no names, no numbers, just due to the wear and tear of those names and numbers. Like those things, I mean, in three washes, if you don't hang dry them and you actually put them in a dryer, they're screwed, they're done. Um, but having said that, so I collect kits. I collect like authentics um, that I do no name, no number. And I wear that not to games because I don't want beer thrown on me. I don't want to sweat all in them and ruin them. I do that with my replica kits. So that I will put name numbers and I'll wear those to games. Um, and I only recently started doing this, but what a lot of US fans do is they will wear their uh, state and state number. So uh, when they came into the, the United States, the union. So in my case, I wear California and 31. Or some of my friends wear Arizona 48 um, or you know whatever state they're from. That's what a lot of people have done given that you know sometimes players will play on a national team and you think they're going to be around for a long time and then they'll end up being around for a year or two and then you've got mixed discaroo on the back of your jersey and he was only around for you know two years and now you've got that jersey for the rest of your life with a guy who did underperform you know or or what have you know it's like the the old like players getting traded i, I don't want to buy a gareth bale jersey because he might leave real madrid and you know so I'm like hesitant, and but then if you do your state, you can wear that forever. And, and then it, it's a nice little topic of conversation because then maybe you're traveling for the game and you see somebody else wearing that California jersey and you're like, hey, I'm from California too. Where are you from? And then it starts the conversation and then you're like, oh, I'm from that area too. Oh, who do you root for? Do you have a club team? Like, are you going to go to the next game? And then you, it's like a good little conversation starter, um, especially when you see like a rare number, like a, a North Dakota or a Hawaii or an Alaska and you're like, whoa, what are you doing here? You came all the way from, from Maui. There's a guy who, who travels from a Maui a lot. He'll go to games. We're like, oh, the Maui. I mean, we know his name, but we're like, oh, the Maui guy's here because he's always got the you know, Hawaiian flag and, and stuff. So, um, so that's usually what a, a lot of people will do um, besides wearing players' uh, names and numbers. They'll do their states um, or they'll do like a fun phrase. It'll be like, like I have a, a Dosa Cero jersey, which is, our again, our calling uh our calling cry against Mexico because we always beat them 2-0 in, in qualification. So I have a, a Dosa Cero. It says Dosa Cero. And then it's got 2-0. And the numbers are, have freaking American flags in it. It's like just obnoxious and, and an obnoxious American jersey um, that I'll wear <laughs> to Mexico games. Um, or they'll have, you know, freedom or, you know, when, you know whatever uh, on the back of it. But, um, but yeah, I, I like the state the state names and numbers. I think those are cool and they're, they're good conversation starters. Hmm. What's your favorite chant then? So we don't do it a lot because it's wordy. And again, because we don't have a home stadium, it's really hard to teach people chants and, and, and have them memorize it. But my favorite chant, it's a World War I song um, called Over There. So I'll be real brief with it. So it goes, over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there that the Yanks are coming, the Yanks are coming, there's drums, drum, tumbling everywhere. And it has like another verse. Um, it's like, a, it's an old World War I song uh, that they would play in, in movies and over the radio um, to get people to like buy war bonds and whatnot. So um, we've done it at games. Um, there's a, a punk group who made a cover of it, like a punk cover. That's actually a soccer song. They, they, they sing about like, 
um, you know, playing on the pitch, like a legit over there soccer song. Um, but that's, that's my favorite just cause we don't sing it a lot, but it's already a historical kind of, um, you know, song that not a lot of people know. And it, it, outside of world war one, nobody really knows it. So the fact that we can take this old song kind of, uh, you know, rediscover it and, and use it for something that can still be pro-American, but not like aggressive, um, is a cool little chant. Um, yeah, I think I like, I like that one the most. Right, so I have this mate, and he he knew I was talking to you today, an American fan, uh-huh. and I have to bring this up, and I hate to be rude, but what's your thoughts oh. on fight and win? Fight and win. Yeah. Um, okay, I only vaguely remember it. You're gonna have to explain more about it. Okay, so there's a guy. It's a YouTube video, right? And it's probably I think it's set back American fans about fifty years. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Now that you bring it up, I remember exactly what, what video it was. I, I vaguely remembered it, but now, yeah, now, now, now you know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, that hasn't really gone around the, the talk with all of us. I don't think, I don't think I've had anybody even bring it up to, to me outside of like a couple club people. Um, I think that video probably has gone over our head. Um, I definitely, I'm definitely going to hit up my soccer fans and be like, what do you think about this? Cause I don't think I really have an opinion on it, but, but having said that it's probably a casual fan and for what it's worth, especially going to a lot of U S games, a lot of fans tend to be casual fans where they're just like, Oh, the U S national team is in town. Okay. I'll go to a game and they'll go to a game and kind of like, that's it. Like rooting for the U S national team for a lot of people is always kind of like secondary, like, you know, for, for English fans, you know, they live and die at the national team, right? Like they're, they might have their club level stuff that they disagree on people, but like they, they will bleed for that national team. We've seen them do it in Russia, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think so again, going back to like us not having a national stadium and us not having a regular set of people to be able to like go and watch a game, not being able to see a game every five to seven years in your state people will end up taking these little chants that they do at like college football or regular American college football uh, or, or American football or, you know, um, chants that they did when they were in little league for baseball. Right. So um, because we usually lead a lot of the chants, a lot of people will say like, Hey, we want to do new chants. How about we do this one? And I'm like, we're not going to do that. That's like a weird college football chant. Or like, we're not going to do that. That's a weird, like, baseball chant like why would that's not like you're not understanding the soccer culture that's not going to work for how we do it Mm. and i think that that video is exactly that it's it's somebody who's not in the soccer culture and so they're just doing this thing that comes to their mind that maybe works really well at another sport and it's like why is nobody else like wanting to do this or why does it not like why does it come off as weird um (laughs) I think that's really is, but, but to be fair to England, like, yeah, that's kind of the common U S not even U S soccer fan, but kind of the common soccer fan in general. I mean, like 
sure, we have a lot of soccer fans who are hardcore and and who buy into their club and buy into the national team. But but really, at the end of the day, it's still a lot of we still have any game you go to, even if it's a sellout, maybe three quarters of that crowd is a, a casual get fan. And they've maybe only gone to one to three matches in their lifetime and not even one to three U S games, one to three soccer games, period, right. Matches period. So um, honestly, that's probably a fair perception from, from England fans. Uh, um, I'm going to watch the video again, as soon as I hang up with you on this call, um, <laughs> because I'm probably, I, I know I've watched it once, but it was just like an offhand video. And I was like, Oh, uh, like, what's the big deal? Yeah, it looks like it's just a soccer casual fan. And then I like moved on. So that's why when you brought it up and I was like, wait, the one in Seattle, I thought at first you were talking about the one in Portland. There's another similar video in Portland uh, uh, that's like that. And then when you re told me, I was like, oh, wait, no, it is the Seattle one. Yeah, I saw that once. Yeah, I think that really went over a lot of American fans' heads. I, I'm sure it has plenty of views, but it's, all those views are probably in England. So yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> Honestly, if you um, if you bring it up when you play England, I think <laughs> I think you you have I a mean, hole with laughing. I think I'm gonna have to do that. <laughs> You're gonna have to do it. If I hear it yeah. in the crowd, I mean, I'll be watching Iran. I think, but oh no, yeah. England, the US, and the, the evening kickoff. So yeah. yeah, I'll probably hear it on the TV. And if it's I do gonna have to be self fulfilling. I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna look at England fans and do that chant now. You'd have to do it. Honestly, they'll either be stunned that you did it. Or they'll just uh, piss their pants because it's so funny. All right, good. I'm going to film myself doing it and send it to you. That's a promise right now. I'm going to film myself doing that. that chat and I'm going to send it to you. It's happening. <laughs> it's happening now. Now that I know, yeah, it's happening. Oh. So um, this week, you've probably not seen it, mate, but there's an actor called Michael Sheen. He's a Welsh actor. Uh-huh. And um, I think he lives in America. And um, he did this speech um, as if he were to talk to the Welsh national team. Against I know England. what you're talking about. You've seen, seen it? it? I know what you're okay. talking about. Knocking on our door. Let's give them some sugar, boys. Let's give them some Welsh sugar. They've always said we're too small, we're too slow, we're too weak, too full of fear. But Amar heed, you sons of speed, as they fall around us, we are still here. It's brilliant, right? Now, oh, my question yes. to you, right? It made me want to root for Wales. Yeah, of course. But my question to you is, if you were able to pick someone, either a celebrity or a figure that's living right now, uh-huh. to talk to, well, let's say it's England again. So you needed someone to, you know, arouse the team and get them fired up for the game. USA versus England. Who would you pick? Morgan Freeman. <laughs> not, because he, not because he's exciting and he's high energy. But because when he talks to you, he reaches into your soul and pulls you out, pulls out what's best in you. And he will get you to perform on that field by just being straight, straight sounding to the point. Uh, uh, he's like, it's like a calm before a storm, right? He gets you that, that little piece of, uh, uh, he makes you believe in yourself, right? I, I'm kind of being funny, but like when you, when you ask that question, I'm thinking Morgan Freeman is who comes to my mind. I mean, you know, you could you could pick any uh, uh, emotional um, hype uh, video from any given movie. You know, Al Pacino and Anakin Sunday. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Inde- the Independence Day. Tonight we fight for our freedom. Little spiel. 
there's a lot of like stupid little things, that you, but I, I think Morgan Freeman can deliver it. I think he can just, he can say it in this nice, calm, relaxing voice. And for some reason it can just get you going. I don't know if that's what comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Will Ferrell helped uh, hype this up in 2014. Um, that, that was cool. He came out, uh, we had like a U.S. soccer party before one of the games and and uh, he came out and gave a speech and he got us all jacked up for that game. I want to say it was before the Ghana match, the first match. Um, so that would be, but, but I don't, dude, that I'm telling you, that speech that he gave, it was just, you could feel that he's been waiting this long to mm. see Wales perform in the World Cup. Like, like, yeah, when I went, like, I was like, oh man, like, who would I want for that? Yeah. I, still think morgan freeman could kill it <laughs> i don't i don't know how he would do it but i don't know how morgan freeman makes me feel emotions in all of his other movies so i don't know that's me that's right that's where i'm taking it it's probably like an audio clip i am not in person sure yeah <laughs> i think he's a little too old to travel all the way out to guitar <laughs> oh mate um before we wrap it up because I, I know it's like what 11 yeah. 30 over there in the evening I can go all night. I'm good. <laughs> Before we wrap up, um, how, you know, what would success look like for you then for the USA at 2022? What's success look like? I mean, getting out of group stage, you know, is, is the bare minimum, right? Um, realistically success, making it past round of 16. I mean, again, I, I know we've already said this, like, I really think our best chances are in 2026, but hmm. um, getting past round of 16. You're getting to uh, getting to um, quarterfinals, quarterfinal, getting to quarterfinals, and hopefully just playing a great match. Even if we lose, if we lose and we play our best, that's 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 top for me. Um, you know, the, the U.S. in 2002 got to the quarterfinals. Uh, we lost to, I believe, we lost to Korea, um, or we might have lost to Italy. Gosh, I don't even remember who we played now. Um, but we got to the quarterfinals in 2002. Um, so being able to match that would be like the tops, like anything over that would be like, like I'm telling you right now, if, if, if we end up making it to the semis and you were to tell me that right now, I'd be like, that's not happening. Um, you bet your ass I'm sticking around if we made it to the semis or however we go, but, but like, you know, bare minimum, getting out of group stage. I think it's always any team, regardless of who you are, um, the bare minimum is getting out of group stage. Um, you know, round of 16 exit is probably expected. Um, are you excited about getting knocked out of round of 16? No. Are you happy you're there? Yes. But, um, you know, quarterfinals, I think, is, is if we're saying this is our golden era, and if we're saying 2026 is the run that we're going to make, then you need to follow that up with a quarterfinals 2022. That's how I feel about that. So, mm. but, but I'm okay if Wales make a run to the quarterfinals, especially if it means there's no England getting out of group stage. I'm just saying, I really don't want England to make it out of group stage. <laughs> and I'm glad we can at least bond over that. Of course, mate, of course. Okay, so if the US aren't going to win the World Cup, who's going to win no, the World Cup? No. Oh, gosh. Um, I think I want Argentina to win a World Cup. I mean, you know, you, you want to see the greats 
and finally win one, right? You want to see Ronaldo win one. You want to see Messi win one. Um, I don't think Portugal has the team to win one. I think Argentina has the team to win one. Um, I think there's, I think there's other teams that can absolutely, I mean, I think France could still win it again. You know, England can easily win it, win it. Um, I mean, again, I don't think they will, but I think they can. Um, I mean, Croatia could make a run, you know, um, Spain could figure, have their stuff figured out. I mean, Germany's Germany, you know, who knows, but I think, I think now is the make or break for Argentina. I think this is their last real shot because I think they have a generational gap, if I'm not mistaken, where a lot of these guys are going to be done. And I don't think they're going to have near to the best team that they've had in a long time after these guys leave. Cause this is, you know, a lot of these guys, this is their last world cup. So um, I, I'd be happy if Argentina won it, but going back to fans, Argentinians are very, very, you know, <laughs> like, I, and then Brazil, how do I forget about Brazil? Like Brazil, like Germany's Germany, Brazil's Brazil's, you know, like, like they could just as easily make a run. I, I just, if I were a bet man, which I'm not, I think Argentina can finally make a run, especially with the group that they're in and the path that they have. I think yeah. that's why I think Argentina can get there because I just think their path is made for them. Um, so I don't want to be in their path though, which is why, you know, which I think if we get, I think if we get second, that puts us, no, whoever wins the group puts it in Argentina's path. Cause I yeah. think, yeah. So unless Argentina trips up, but yeah, so I, I'm going Argentina. <laughs> oh, mate. Well, um, I think we've reached the end of this. Um, yeah. you know, it's been a pleasure to have you on, mate. I've, I've waited what? A long time to do this. Um, yeah, you know, you're I a busy man. You, I could talk to you as every day. I could talk oh, to anybody thanks. about 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 soccer, about football. Sorry. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes. Yeah, I should be but... <laughs> te- I should be speaking to the. I should be speaking to the crowd. I should need to read the room. I should be playing football. Sorry. <laughs> really awesome to have you on. Um, I knew you were the real deal, mate. I knew you were. Uh, you proved me <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I can't wait to talk to you more, and I can't wait to meet you when we get to Qatar. Oh, mate. I mean, are we allowed to drink over there? Uh, before and after the games in certain and in certain restaurants. I'm going to be on that cruise ship. So there's plenty of drinking on the cruise ship. Get me on. If I can get you on that cruise ship, I'm going to try to get you on that cruise ship. But uh, yeah. Mate, you need to get me on there, mate, because I'm on the ship box, you know, the, the fan villages. So. Got it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't sneak you any beer. I'm not running that risk. But uh, <laughs> you know, worst case, worst case, we can meet up before a game if we have a, I know, I think we have a couple mutual uh, mutual matches. So, um, definitely before or after we're going to hang. Yeah. Man. Um, oh, before we go, um, yeah. welcome to Wrexham. Have you got the shirt yet? Uh, it's on its way. It is on its way. Yes. I, uh, I, I, so real sidebar with that. When they announced they bought that team, I thought it was a joke. I thought they were like, like, you know, being like, oh, we're buying a team. Actually, initially, I thought it was a fake team. I thought it was just like, I thought they were making a TV show for a fake team. Legitimately, I didn't, I mean, I didn't know any better. I don't follow club teams, so how would I know? Um, and it wasn't until the show started that I was like, oh, it is a fake team. They're making a TV show out of it. And I was like, wait, why does it say documentary? And then I like start it. And like five minutes in, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Pause, Google. Oh, they bought a real team. All right, I'm in. Immediately bought that uh, their current third jersey. Um, yeah. Just because I love the colors, it's got the whales colors, and it's just I really like it. So, um, so I'm following them. 
I'm, 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 I'm. That's good, mate. It's not Ted Lasso, mate. This is the real deal. That's okay. You know, and and I say I don't have a club team, but I do follow a now League One team. Right, they're League One, right? Yeah. Uh, Forest Green Rovers. Um, okay. Is a small little team that I've been following for the past couple of years, just here and there. Um, and uh, two, three years ago, I bought one of their one of their kits, and I got a note. And I, so I bought like a kit and a pin and I think a scarf. And I got a note that was like, we're so excited to have a fan from America, let alone California. Please let us know if you ever visit. We want to treat you to a game. So I was going to go out in 2020, COVID struck. I still want to try to get out there. I'm trying to get out there in the September window to go to a four screen game. So I'm trying. And I'm also, now that I've, really buying into like watching uh Wrexham I'm gonna try to get to a match then I'm trying to see I'm waiting for the next week I'm gonna figure out my work schedule I might get an extra week off if I get that extra week off I'm going out there so maybe we'll see but you, you have to go there now because you know it's the race course you probably know the documentary but it's the oldest they, yeah. running yeah. international stadium in football oh yeah um, it's going to get renovated soon so it, the Welsh games yeah. will go back there again soon but um you, you need to go to the race course mate Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping work pushes a week, which after I had a call today about it, actually, and it looks like it's going to get pushed. So if that's the case, I am going to be able to go to a, a home match out there. So I'm, I'm already, I already, I already have it planned. I already have the, 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 the tickets or the, the flights planned out. I'm just waiting for that. Hey, we're pushing that job for a week. Boom. I'm going to book it. So we'll, I'll let you know in the next week, whether or not I'm going. <laughs> you know what, mate? I, I wish, because um, like American owners do get a bad rap, right? They do. I mean, my club, they're owned by Yanks. And, um, Rightfully so, kind of, yeah. You know, so they like, want to run it like an American team, which you can't do. Yeah. No. So, like, to have owners, I know um, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian, but same thing, you know, North American. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like, to have owners like that that generally do care about the club um, is refreshing. It does make me jealous. They do seem 100% genuine, absolutely. They are actors, so they are good at looking genuine. But I, I mean, just just based off of what they've already been doing, off mm. the little information that I've gotten from watching the show and then looking into it afterwards, it does seem like they genuinely um, want to bring that club back to what it was and, you know, put things back into the community, which is, which is, I feel like it's hard to find nowadays. You know, people want to just buy the things to make the money. Um, coming from teams that I've rooted for, who have come to find out owners are just in it for the money. It's great when you finally find somebody who, you know, they, they're investing in something. So at the end of the day, they do got to make, make something back. Otherwise, they can't support it. But, but the fact that they are still trying to, mm. you know, like keeping around the volunteers and putting them, getting them paid now. And, and, and again, like buying back the stadium so they can put it back to its former glory. That's, that's I feel like most people won't go that far and beyond. So, yeah, good on them. Yeah. But, mate, let's wrap this up. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. It really has, and you you yeah, did turn up to be the real deal, honestly. Um, I know <laughs> you, I know you could talk here for like three or four more hours, yeah. but you got to go to bed. You probably got work yeah. tomorrow, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost midnight here. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, honestly, um, I hope to meet you out in Qatar. Um, and yeah, look forward to following your journey, um, leading up to it because I know you're going to you go to Europe again in, in September, aren't you? Uh, in a week from uh, now, yep. A week from now. Wow. So, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing it. And, uh, yeah, honestly, um, plug your Instagram because it's really interesting. What's your Instagram? Sure. Uh, my Instagram is uh, just say Noriega. 
so J-U-S-T-N-O-N-O-R-I-E-G-A, just say Noriega. It's an old uh, President Bush, the first Bush, uh, an anti-Manuel Noriega quote. Uh, so it fit well perfectly with my name. So yeah, just say Noriega. I travel a lot. So if anybody looks at it, it's just going to be me at stadiums and at K-pop concerts and like just random places around the world. I mean, I'm, I'm, I live on the road 80% of the year. So yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome, mate. Well, hey, um, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And um, all Thank the best uh, on your travels and uh, just look forward to meeting you, mate. Yeah, we'll see you again. We'll see you soon, man. And uh, let's hope we beat England. We're, we're beating England. You guys are beating England. We're beating England. Hell, Iran's beating England. <laughs> it's going to be the worst World Cup they've ever had. They'd, they were, they're were they going to wish they didn't even qualify. Yeah. All right, sorry. I had to get that out of me. <laughs> All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on, mate. Have a good one, man. We'll talk to you soon. Cool. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of the Exeter Trial Football Podcast. Um, that was a first uh, preview for the World Cup. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, we'll, um, we'll do this again. Have a good one. Kaki Dano. Cheers. Hey. Uh, yeah, no, good. Cardiff was great. I had a, yeah. we had a great time there. We were there for three days, I think. Um, oh, I don't, you know what else was about that too? So that we went to that game. That was two days after the U.S. played England in, in Wembley. We lost 3-0. Yeah. I tore... I'm going to send you this if you haven't seen it yet. I tore my hamstring in a, in a relay race at Wembley. So, uh, so like halfway through the first half, uh, one of the guys who helps run our supporters group was like, hey, do you want to do a relay race? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, a relay race, like around at halftime, like versus the English fans. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. That'll be fun. I get to run around Wembley. Like who, gets, who says I can do that? So, um, so it's like me, two other guys and a, one of the girls uh and it was like a relay race versus the english fans and then we like get down and meet the english fans and they're like 17 18 year old kids who are like fit and we're all in our 30s and 40s and the girl who's racing with us is wearing fucking high heels and we're like <laughs> these guys are gonna destroy us like what did we just agree to you know and then so they uh announced the celebrity racers for us and so our team gets the same bolt their team gets one of the English runners that I don't know who was in the Olympics, right? And we're like, dude, we got a same bolt on our team. Like, we're crushing you guys now. Like, get out of here. So um, those two guys start the race, right? And then it's like a relay race. So they're holding a soccer ball and then we hand the soccer ball off and do a relay race. So the same bolt gets off to obviously a crazy start. And we have a crazy lead. And then each of the guys like are just destroying the rest of these guys. And then it gets to the girl. I thought she was going to take off her heels. And she starts running in her heels. And so we have, I'm not kidding, like a, like, like if you were to look at the pitch, like if you were to look at the halfway yard, we have like a, like a quarter of the pitch lead on them, like a crazy lead. We completely lose the lead because she's in her heels. So once I get the ball from her, I'm like maybe 25, 30 feet um, behind. I should probably use meters, but I don't know meters. Sorry, stupid American imperial system. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like far enough behind that I know I could catch up with them, but it's going to be really hard. So I start booking it. I'm running hard. Now I have all this on a little video, which by the way, um, Sterling retweeted my fall and it got like 3 million retweets or whatever. Something like that's crazy. I'll definitely show it to you after this. I promise. I'll send it to you over Twitter or uh, over uh, 
read it or whatever. Anyways, so I'm running, I'm booking it and I tear my hamstring and I fall hard. But what I do is I realize I'm going to fall. So I fall and I roll and I roll and I pop back up and I keep running and I'm in pain. I'm like, I tore my hamstring, but I have so much adrenaline running through me <laughs> because it's sold out Wembley and I'm in this race and I want to catch up. So I'm running, I tear my hamstring, I fall, I do like a flip or I roll on the ground, I pop back up and I keep running. And they got this great shot of me falling and then cutting to a same bolt, laughing at me falling and then cutting back to me in slow motion, falling. And this is what like Sterling retweets. And then so I'm looking at the, at the people that are replying to this tweet and they're calling me like, because my hair was all out and like flowing. So they're calling me like the American Maradona. Uh, they found out what my name was. They were calling me Radinho, like uh, Ronaldo or Ronaldo, like Radinho. And they're like, somebody, somebody get that guy on the U.S. national team. And then like U.S. soccer retweeted it. And then people are like, and then like my friends at home are like, dude, we just saw like Sterling. What was going on? Were you like running the field? And I was like, no, we were doing a relay race. And people are like, dude. And so like, anyway, so I fall and then I hand the ball off and we're like, we lose the race, whatever. So as soon as I stop, as soon as I like stop running and the adrenaline wears off, I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the worst pain of my life. Like I definitely tore my hamstring. So I'm like limping. I can't, they like want me to cross the field and I'm like, I can't, I, I gotta, I'm going to be a second. So I slowly get all the way back and like the English fans are yelling at me and I'm yelling back at them, like talking shit. Oh, you fucking wanker. You can't even run all the turf monster got you. Oh, that's not a penalty. Like they're being real funny. They're like, it was great. And actually in the video, when you see me fall, when I pop back up, you see me yelling at them because they're talking shit about me falling. So anyways, I get all the way back and, and Bolt's like, dude, that was hilarious. Did you do that on purpose? And I was like, no, I tore my hamstring. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I was like, I tore my hamstring. And he's like, oh, that's why you fell because you couldn't hold yourself up. And I was like, I'm in a lot of pain right now. And he's like, come over here, take a picture with me. So we all like took a picture together. <laughs> and, then, and then, so like the whole game, I'm in just fucking pain. Then we got to go to Cardiff on a train and then walk down the cobblestone and everything. And it was just like, I was in so much pain at that Wales game. Um, so we ended up changing our seats uh, to the supporter section so I could stand because I couldn't sit because I bent my leg. I was in massive pain. So that's when we met, when we met those guys at the bar before the game, that's where they were like, we like, they're like, oh, where are your seats at? It's like, oh, we're right. We're like first row. We're right here. But I was like, I don't know if I could sit. He's like, come sit with us. We're going to get you, we'll switch you out supporters tickets. And I was like, cool. And then, so, and we already had the Wales Jersey stuff on. So they're like, you're perfectly suited for us. Come in our section. We'll teach you the chance. And like, dude, it was, it was of all the games we did, especially in that window. And I, I want to say of all the games that I've gone to that have been non-US games, that Wales game was easily the best game. Like we made friends with everybody. Everybody was just like, first of all, everybody was like, why did you come to Wales to watch a game? Why didn't you go watch England? Why didn't you go watch Ireland, why didn't you go watch whoever else? We were like, because we wanted to come to Wales, man. And they're like, you're one of us now today. And we're like, yeah. So like, I've always had like, I, I think I've gone to like three Welsh games now at this point. And that was that first one. But yeah, that's where I got my little, you know, my little dragon hat and then the jersey. And so I've always kept this. So when you, you know, when you told me you're a Wales fan and we were going to do this interview, I was like, oh, I'm bringing this hat. I'm wearing this. I'm making sure he sees it. So I've been traveling with it. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm so grateful you did, mate. I'm so so yeah. grateful you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Well, I bet you're gonna bed. Yeah. Yeah. No worries, man. Yeah. I'm probably gonna be up a little bit longer, but yeah. Have a great day. I'll, I'll send you.